It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Lighthouse Faith Podcast, Moving Forward in Truth and Love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. This past Easter, the newly elected Georgia Senator and Democrat, Raphael Warnock, um, sent out a tweet that resulted in like shivers of angry reactions from Christian leaders and even some everyday believers, you know, who know basic theology. And the tweet said, quote, the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. Now, Warnock is also, um, he's the senator, uh, he's a senior pastor pastor of Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church. This is the church of Martin Luther King Jr. And so the reaction was basically, he should have known better. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of Christianity. It is Christianity. And if you don't have the resurrection, you don't have anything. I mean, you, you have, um, you know, you don't even have a teacher of love in the sense, because it's, it really is the cornerstone of Christianity. Without it, there is no Christianity. And it's only through faith in Jesus that we are saved. You know, we can't save ourselves. That's the whole point of that. So the tweet was taken down. And in his defense, Warnock's office said it was, it was actually written by a staff member, not Warnock himself. You know, I could go on and talk more about the controversy, but I thought it better to bring in two people who could debate or at least, you know, take opposite sides. So I asked two ministers who are on opposite sides of the political aisle and who are from different cultural backgrounds as well. One is white and the other black. They formed a friendship and they a meeting on the foundation of their faith. And they have a podcast called I Hear Ya. And they're supposed to be able to talk about many different um, controversial subjects that, you know, black and white people take the opposite sides of. Because in this country, we have this terrible thing of racism and oppression and racial inequality and anger um, that's out there that we're not discussing. So they thought they could really create this podcast and talk about things like this and create a foundation, create a platform by which we can get through this. So... On this subject of racial politics, however, only one consented to be on the, on the White House podcast. Um, so Dr. Alex McFarland of Truth for a New Generation is here. But Odell Cleveland, he's an author, speaker, and pastor of Mount Zion Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina, is not here. And I'm going to bring in Alex and tell me why Odell is not here. Um, so why... Alex, did Odell decide not to come and talk about this? Well, first of all, Lauren, thank you for having me on, and thank you for all you do as an author, a speaker, a broadcaster, an opinion maker. I, I have come to deeply appreciate the work you do, and so it's always a privilege to get to converse for a while. Um, you know, I will say that I think Raphael Warnock's uh, tweet, whether it came off of his computer or a staff member, uh, there, there is a myriad of, of things we could say about that tweet, and there are a myriad of things we could say, and, and we should. Uh, and it was a surprise to me that my, my friend and my fellow uh, you know, podcaster Odell Cleveland 
wouldn't come on and talk about that. Now, in, in fairness to him, uh, and obviously, Lauren, I can't speak for another person. I, I don't know another man's heart. I barely know my own heart. <laughs> but we we talked at length, at length about this, even as recently as an hour ago. And, uh, I, you know, I said, look, as a Christian, um, you're, you're right, Lauren, the resurrection is the cornerstone of the Christian faith, that um, Christ, who claimed to be the Son of God, rose from the dead. And if he indeed rose, that validates who he was and what he taught, his identity and his message. And so, you know, my position is that any minister should uh, always jump at the chance to speak favorably for the resurrection and to defend it. And uh, I would like to unpack the, the Warnock tweet, but Odell said that um, he, if, if the conversation were about race, he would talk about that, but he wasn't going to come on uh, and unpack Warnock's tweet. And he, he said this, that um, he said, we know we can't save ourselves. Obviously, a person is born again, saved through faith in Jesus and that he didn't need to come on and restate that because we already know that. Um, I, I will say this, and, and no, Odell. My question, I, I wanna, my question, though, is in a sense that, you know, was he not, was he, um, and I apologize for all the dings and things on my computer because it's, okay. just, it's just this, the way the computer is on Zoom, that that's the way it, it records and but all this other stuff coming through. Um, but um, is it that he didn't want to jump on the, the sort of the white bandwagon against a black um, minister? Um, his, was it a perceived, you know, white bandwagon against a black minister who is also a senator? Yeah, well, I, I said to him, I said, Odell, you know, one thing people might say is, um, are you as a black minister unwilling to call out a fellow black minister? And he said, well, you can't worry what people think because people are going to think what they think. And he said, if people think that there's nothing I can do about it. And, you know, I, Lauren, you, you, you and I have known each other for a decade and, and I hope that you and anybody else who knows me would know that my, my hierarchy of priorities would would there, there are a myriad of things that we prioritize but at the top of the pyramid must be the lord and his word and um i i have to as a minister show unwavering fidelity to the bible and it, it's not race it's not personality it's not politics but if somebody equivocates on the gospel of jesus christ I have to speak to that. I really feel like it is actually a loving thing to do, to to say to Pastor Warnock, to say, look, look, friend, uh, you can't be ambiguous here. You, as one who influences impressionable people, uh, say it, man. Say that Christ is alive. He's the Son of God, and we are saved. No ambiguity. We are saved through a relationship with Jesus. Um, my hierarchy is to God and his word. And for that reason, I would say to Odell or Warnock or anybody, if you're a minister, you are duty bound to keep God's word and salvation right out front. 
You know, this kind of reminds me of when um, Trump in the campaign, when he, he was campaigning for president, not when he became president, but when he was campaigning for president, he he, he was appealing to um, evangelicals and he was down at Liberty University and held up the Bible and, and said two Corinthians instead of second Corinthians, you know, because it shows it's like you know, if you're, you know, the, the lingo, you know, it's second Corinthians, not two Corinthians. And, I, and there was a real backlash against him not knowing that, but he's not a minister. And he, you know, but at the same time, the idea is that, you know, a lot of evangelicals called him out on that, you know, yeah. um, and, and not and, a lot and of people a, defended him. A, a lot of the um, the world just lambasted Trump. Um, you know, uh, I've got two friends. One is Dr. Robert Jeffers in Texas and Dr. James Dobson, both of whom are men of unimpeachable integrity, in my opinion, and both of whom prayed with candidate Trump about what it means to know Christ. And so in the case of Trump, you know, a lot of people got some chuckles out of his, you know, uh, sort of gaffe about two Corinthians. But um, I honestly, and and I I met Trump when he was a candidate and I um, was at a meeting or two after he became president. I honestly think uh, with all of my heart, that he did have a, an experience with Christ. And look, I'm not saying he's a theologian. Trump is not the man you should call for your next pastor. But, um, you know, I, I don't think Trump was pandering to the evangelicals. I honestly think that he had had a salvation experience with Christ. And if you look at like some of the videos Trump released, like on Christmas morning, he and Melania would release a video and he would say, this is the uh, birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus. I, I've got to say one last thing because this is not pub- public knowledge, but on Good Friday, 2020, you know, COVID was in full swing and everybody's quarantined. So there was a call with the White House with some faith leaders and um, uh, the late um, Bishop Harry Jackson was in the Oval Office with the president. And um, it, it was amazing and believe me, Lauren, I know there are people that are probably going to be dismissive of what I'm about to say. But I dial in. Um, it was two o'clock on Good Friday a year ago. And it said, dear faith leader, the president wants to have prayer. If you can log in, it's very short notice, but log in. So I was at home. So I logged in on this very computer and the president comes on and he said, um, well, Good Friday is the day that Christians commemorate the crucifixion of Jesus. And let me read some scriptures. And he began to read Isaiah 53. Donald Trump, we're on this private phone call. This is not a photo op. It's very, very private off record. Donald Trump reads Isaiah 53 that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And he and Trump then reads uh, um, some from one of the gospels about the crucifixion. And I thought, wow, uh, Donald Trump is sharing in his awkward New York brogue. He's sharing Good Friday and Easter. And he called on, he said, uh, so this is for the sins of the world. Bishop Harry Jackson, would you lead us in a word of prayer? The whole thing lasted about 12 or 13 minutes. And look, he didn't have to do that. Anyway, I don't mean to get us off track here, but we are living in very unique times when people that you would least expect, like a Donald Trump, are reading the Gospels, people that you would expect, 
like a Raphael Warnock, I would say are undermining the gospel. And so it's a strange time, is it not? It is a strange time. And I have to say other things about Warnock, and, and I, I never really did a story on this, but his whole idea that, um, you know, that, 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 that somehow the Bible supports abortion, I find very, very difficult. Um, yeah. And, uh, you, you know, and, and when I get to that, but I want to get to the other thing about how one of the uh, uh, black anchors, I think on CNN, um, defended him in this uh, tweet about the resurrection. He said, well, I'm just going to take his, his side. And it just reminded me of how polarized we are racially about yeah. how it doesn't matter if we're all Christians saved by the, the, the shed uh, blood of Jesus Christ and the resurrection. We're, we're, it, it doesn't matter if it's a black person being um, attacked. I'm going to side with him. And there was no question about theology. There was no question about calling him out on it. And it was just, we're going to take his side. And it just shows you the Pew study, you know, years ago, and I think it's still pretty much the same, shows that we are more aligned uh, uh, racially than we are by faith. That sure. The greater indication of how you will vote is what race you are, not what religion you are. And so that shows you the polarization in Christianity, um, as well as probably other faiths as well. Um, but speak to this idea about Warnock and the idea that he could actually say that there is, in the Bible, support for abortion. Well, you know, sadly, um, and this is why I really do grieve for the state of his soul right now, because he's, he's putting politics and political opportunism above his fidelity to his Lord. Now, in January of 2020, candidate Biden said, and this is a quote, Biden said there is no place in the Democrat Party for someone who is not pro-choice. Now, shortly thereafter, Warnock preaches about how the Bible does support abortion. And, and that, that's, that's tragic that you would try to contort Scripture to comport with what the momentary political posture is of, of one party. And you, you said it well, Lauren. I mean, there, there's party, there's politics, but above all of those has to be moral and spiritual conviction. I, I said this, and people might not believe this, but, it, but it's true. Look, if, if a white political figure who also happened to be clergy was flirting with heresy, I would call them out. Let, let's say Mike Huckabee. I, I know Governor Huckabee. Um, I'm sure you do as well. He was a he was a pastor. He was governor of Arkansas. He ran for president. So he's a political figure with uh, a history of vocational uh, ministry. But if he flirted as a white conservative, flirted with heresy, I would blow him up on it. You know, I, I mean, uh, and do you know what? This is very liberating. Uh, I, as a Christian, and as, yes, I'm a conservative, registered Republican, Caucasian, Southerner, male, can't help it. I've got a lot of strikes against me. Male, conservative, Christian, Southern. Oh, yeah, you, you, know. you are enemy number one, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the wokists just already would surmise plenty of things about me, but they would probably be wrong. But let me just say this. Um, I don't have to check which way the wind blows on anything because I know where I stand 
because I know where the Bible stands. And not only the Word of God, but the moral compass. What the founders, such as Adams, Washington, Jefferson, they called it natural law. They called it self-evident truth. Go to the rotunda of the Capitol, and you'll see carved in the frieze around the ceiling um, a man holding two tablets. It's not Charlton Heston. It's Moses. And that's the Decalogue. And the reason that I, I hope before God that I would be consistent, and, and it's not personality or politics, but it's, it's the moral truth of God written on every heart, and it's the, the eternal truth of Scripture written on every page of the Bible. That's got to be our compass. Um, I want to take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. When we come back, I want to talk about you and Odell and how you got together and why this is a good thing, and you know, for the most part, but you know, it does have some bumps along the way. So we'll be right back in just a little bit. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Okay, we're back with Lighthouse Bay Podcast, talking with Dr. Alex McFarlane. He is he is half of the I Hear You podcast, um, which is the other half is Odell Cleveland, Pastor Odell Cleveland. And um, Mr. Cleveland or Pastor Cleveland is not here. And that's part of the story um, that he is not here. But Alex, tell me about how you two got together and how you created this platform by which you two can talk about very controversial things. However, um, there are still some things that I guess are, are too controversial, which is why he's not here. Um, but, but explain how you got together. Well, um, over a year ago, we had a mutual friend, Jenny Kaiser, um, and Jenny is Jewish, and she's a television producer. She's got a history in news, and she um, works at the Alderman Company, where Truth for a New Generation does a lot of filming and digital content production. And you talk about um, unusual bedfellows. Um, Odell is a Christian minister, but a passionate, lifelong Democrat. I'm a Christian minister, evangelical and uh, conservative. Jenny is Jewish. And uh, so Jenny was producing a lot of content for us. And I'm sure she's probably taken heat from some of her friends that are like, Jenny, what are you doing? You're Jewish. You're part of the local synagogue and you're producing uh, content for this evangelist. Uh, but Jenny said, I want you to meet Odell. Now, the church where Odell is, Mount Zion Baptist, which is probably the largest predominantly black congregation in the state of North Carolina. Great church, by the way. It is a great church. Theologically conservative. They preach the gospel. If you go to Mount Zion, you will hear about Jesus and salvation. I would imagine probably politically uh, predominantly Democrat. I actually spoke at Mount Zion probably like 20 years ago. I was asked to come in and do a worldview session for their college students about how to defend your faith. So I, I know the church, although a year and a half ago, I didn't know Odell, but we met through Jenny Kaiser and we began to meet, you know, at Panera Bread and have coffee. And I said, you know, Odell, the, you and I have a lot that is very similar but you and I have a lot that is way different. So let's talk about things. Let's talk about reparations. Let's talk about race. Let's talk about Derek Floyd. And I said, on the front side, 
ground rules. Um, oh, you mean human... George Floyd, right? George Floyd. Yeah, I'm sorry, George Floyd. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, um, but let's agree that we'll always be respectful. We're not ever going to let it get heated, and we'll we'll always part as friends. You know, no matter what. So, uh, and anything is on the table, and so we just begin to meet for coffee and have some really hard conversations and, but liberating to talk about, get these things out in the air. And I don't know, somewhere along the way, we said, Hey, you know, we ought to record this. And we've begun this podcast. We get a lot of feedback, but do you know, here's something that I think is brilliant. Odell said, you can't hate up close. And in defense of Odell, I want to say, um, he is my friend. I, I appreciate him. Um, I do wish that he would come on and call out Warnock for what I think is dangerously flirting with heresy. But um, at the same time, I am committed. And, and I want to say to everybody listening, Lauren, make friends with people different than you. We are a polarized country. We're beginning to get more and more um polarized and volatile. And I would just encourage people, make friends with your neighbor who is way different. Don't try to straighten them out. And let, just as a human being, um, trust, honesty, respect. And and I have found, Lauren, and you, you know, I'm a Christian, obviously. My, my life assignment is to work on the Great Commission and take the name of Christ to the ends of the earth. That's what Christians do. But I will say this, um, it is very enriching to invest in the lives of people, whether they ever come to Christ or not. People are an end in themselves worth investing in. You know, what kinds of things, what's the most controversial thing that you've actually discussed? And, and also, I mean, Conversing with people who have who have who are different from you, who have different attitudes than you, um, who have different um, political beliefs than you, it is tiring. Um, it is very, um, and it's 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 hard. Uh, let's just say. But um, that being said, um, and I apologize again for my computer. That being said, um, what kind of feedback have you been getting from your constituents from your people watching your show, you, you know, you know, who would be watching you and what kind of feedback is he getting and who mostly is listening to you guys? Um, well, I, I don't know everybody listening to us. Um, I would say 95% of the feedback has been positive and people will say, oh, wow, you ask a question that I've wanted to ask, like, you know, uh, cancel culture. Um, so if we're going to expunge all of the art literature and music that is cultural appropriation or white racist. Okay, Odell, how about all of the rap and the hip hop that's um, not only uses the N word ad infinitum, but is racist against whites, misogynistic, denigrating of women, you know? So if, because Odell would say he is, he thinks cancel culture is a good thing. And I said, look, I think it jeopardizes all of our freedoms, really, and and censorship and controlling what people are allowed to think 
is not part of a democratic uh, republic. But I, I got to stop you right there. I can't even imagine how the cancel culture is somehow positive. Yeah, yeah because exactly. you don't. There's no sense of atonement. It is a religion in itself that it says if you don't believe this, then you have no right to exist. You have no right to think if you don't if you believe this. The cancel culture is so anti-Christian. I don't understand why he could even say that. And, and anti uh, our constitutional republic. Um, I, I will say this, and this has been a hard conversation. And, and again, uh, I, and I welcome anybody to call me out, care enough about me to call me out if I'm being inconsistent here. But hierarchy is obviously the Lord. But then as an American, the Constitution and my citizenship. So I would say this, racism and social justice has become an idol. You know, I, I, mean, oh, I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, do, do we want people treated fairly, equitably, equal opportunity for all? Yes. Look, black, white, male, female, equal in personhood, worth, image bears made in the image of God, every human being worthy of dignity, respect, honesty, love, and care. You know, uh, Lauren, one of my favorite quotes, I, I really, I love Mr. Rogers, Fred Rogers, right? By the way, did you ever get to interview him? I never did. Um, I, I, no, I never did. I always admire, but never got to, I sure. saw the movie with Tom yeah. Hanks, but I never saw, I never got a chance to interview him. But, but Mr. Rogers once um, said, there's nobody you couldn't love if you only heard their story. And I think that's true. Um, doesn't mean I have to agree with everything they say, but you know, we're, we're to a point where disagreement um, constitutes hatred. Uh, if you disagree, even if you respectfully give a reasoned disagreement, you're a hater. You know, you've you've demeaned me or demoralized me, and it's not that way. Now, all human beings uh, are worthy of respect, but not all ideas or all behaviors. And so, I, I really do think that the the idolizing of wokeness, and see, let me say one other thing: social justice is a dangerous thing because most everybody makes up their own criteria for what is just and moral. And what was the genius of America was there is a law and a code above anybody's opinion, and that's called the moral truth written on every heart by God. And so one of the hard questions that Odell and I have talked about, I've said, look, man, you know, I care about you, you know, I love you, but do you realize how much bandwidth and emotional energy you waste on some, okay, so as a black child growing up in the South, you felt marginalized in elementary school. That's bad. I get it. But there has to be a time when you move on. And I mean, we've had a lot of conversations about that, but it, and I know I'm on dangerous ground here, but it doesn't matter. I, I, I've got confidence in truth wherever truth may lead. Look, look at other nationalities that migrate here, other ethnicities. And I, I, but other people that don't waste so much energy on righting wrongs from centuries ago that can't even really, not only can we not fully 
atone for things that went on centuries ago, we might not even accurately grasp it. And when certain other ethnicities migrate here and they just go to work and they, within five, 10 years, they've built businesses and they're sending their kids to college. I, I worry that black America wastes, even maybe squanders their, their gifts and their future and their opportunities by carping endlessly on things that, you know, will never get undone. You can't unscramble an egg. You can only you know, move forward. I, I can kind of answer from the black perspective, even though a lot, I know a lot of people and my critics would probably think I can't. Um, just because it says, you know, it's like, oh, I mean, I grew up with the stigma of you're not black enough. You know, I, I when I, I was playing classical music and I remember in high school, um, you know, when, when uh, one of my fellow students, a black uh, young man said, oh, she plays that white people music. Like I wasn't good enough to be black because I played classical music. One of the problems is, you know, my brother also is of the belief that uh, you know, because he uh, taught at a university in um, in Minnesota, and he saw in his uh, uh, this developed process by which all of the black students all of a sudden started paying more attention to focusing on what white people did wrong and why they're oppressed instead of on their studies. And he had a problem with that because you know you know my brother's history. I don't know if you know my brother's history that when he was a late teens, he got in trouble with the law. He was just hanging on with the wrong people. You know, he just felt disenfranchised from the parents. You know, all teeners do. Got in trouble with the law, ended up in jail. Ended up in jail, the state reformatory. And um, my parents wouldn't bail him out. Angry at my parents. My great aunt, you know, uh, just loved on him. Sent him books, sent him the power of positive thinking, sent all these things. All of a sudden, he just changed everything. He, he, here he was in jail and feeling the freer that he's ever felt in his life. And he, he, he gets one of two work, uh, school studies programs from the jail, graduates from the university, goes on um, to be, get a master's, teaches at universities, becomes, um, he, he gets on the state parole board, is pardoned by the governor, ends up getting a doctorate in education. Um, and he said to his students, as, you know, I was in jail because I was a thief not because I was black. Mm. And I think once you ha you've got to separate those two things. Now, listen, I've been called Uncle Tom plenty of times, mm. plenty of times. But see, my brother knew and he knows how to dissuade a situation, how to calm it down because there are certain people who will have certain attitudes about you. Now he's in rural Minnesota walking into a dive bar with good old boys playing, you know, you know, honky tonk music. And he walks in and says loudly, I need a, I need a Coca-Cola. You know, I mean, it's like how to diffuse a situation, you know, saying, you know, Hey guys, how you doing? I mean, these are the things that he did and the things that, you know, you understand, you're, you understand the situation. You understand that people are not going to like you for whatever reason, but if you're up close with them and letting them tell you their story of why they feel they're oppressed. All of a sudden you're communicating on the same level if you're trying to understand where they're coming from. I'm, I'm not saying that every white person has to do that. I'm just saying my story, but I also think that there is a shared responsibility. We're in this world together. Yes. We're in this world together. We have to navigate in this country together. Somehow we've got to figure out how to get along. 
and not think that the only way I can survive in this country is to every white person bow down in, on their knees and, and ask for forgiveness. Brilliantly said. And, you know, there's an old saying, the short road to bitterness is paved by taking every little injustice to heart. And, you know, I, I don't minimize the, the egregious sin of, of slavery and the Jim Crow South. I mean, all of that is wrong, wrong, wrong. We'll and it's still with us today. I mean, there's, the wounds of slavery aren't still with us today. I'm not going to minimize it either. I can see it sure. every day in my life. I know what I've suffered in my life. I know how people think, and they don't even know they think the way they think. Most people don't even know why they think the way they think. They don't. They think certain things are just the way they are, instead of saying, "Well, that's a white way to do it." You know. Yeah, and, and you know, look, look at Christianity. Um, in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve sin, and you, you think about this. God was the offended party, and yet He came and He said, "Adam, where are you?" And a wise old minister that mentored me one time, he said, always be quick to give or receive an olive branch. And, and I would say to everybody, look, um, life, life is hard. What, what America promises you and doesn't promise you are worth pointing out. America does not promise that you're never going to see something offensive, that you're never going to get betrayed by somebody Doors might be shut, but what America does say is, look, as much as a human government can possibly uh, offer, we're going to have this moral common ground, um, and it's known by many names, from the Ten Commandments to moral truth. And then you can work, and one of the beauties of it is, even if you suffer injustice with the help of God and just good old resolve and prayer and persistence. If you rise above the injustices you suffer, you grow. The other thing I want to say is, let's say you are wronged. I believe, Lauren, the good Lord wove into the fabric of reality that even if you're the one wounded, there's something cathartic and beneficial if you forgive. You say, well, the other person doesn't deserve it. That's okay. Um, we didn't deserve the love of Jesus. There is something uh, healing. Uh, it's almost like, um, you know, when they say that after a broken bone has healed, the part where the, the break healed is even stronger than the bone originally was. And believe me, I'm keenly aware, much of Black America and people that have felt injustice, they would say, you know, oh, it's easy for you to say, Alex, it's just very glib. Hey, uh, we all have our, our battle scores. I could tell you a few of what it's like to grow up. Uh, you know, I often say this, um, there's poor and then there's chicken farmer poor. And honestly, another story for another day, perhaps. But let me say this. There is something that is so powerful about forgiving and, and moving on. And and I, I know only the Holy Spirit can help this country heal but Odell, I love Odell. I would do anything in the world for this friend. Um, I'm learning from him. Maybe he might be learning from me. But um, friends, I would say that love your neighbor. It, it is it's it's invigorating. It's liberating. 
And I think it's more necessary than ever at this point in our nation's history. Love your neighbor. Well, that's a good way to, to end this podcast because I think it's just um, the next step is, you know, racism is never going to be solved unless both sides learn to forgive um, and reconcile. Um, you know, part of, you know, people say, well, I forgive, but I can't forget. And then, and, I, and I've heard two phrases of this. It's like, well, I can forgive, but I can't forget. And then I've heard the other phrase, which I think is much better, is that forgiveness means forgetting. Um, it means, you know, I'm never, I'm not going to be influenced or react to that anymore because I've forgiven that person. Sometimes you have to forgive and forgive over and over again, but I'll tell you, it is cathartic. It is, I've seen it in myself when I've chosen to forgive rather than to lash out. And all of a sudden the situation is diffused and whatever weapons Satan was hurling in my way, like this is the only way you can solve this is if you lash out. When you forgive, when you say thank you, when you say that's really wonderful what you just did and compliment people instead of you know, gossip and try to tear them down, it's, it's, like, it's, like pouring, it's like pouring water on a fire and it just snuffs it out. Yeah. So, Alex, I want to thank you for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I just want to thank you so much. And listen, I, have, I invite you and Odell back anytime um, that you want to talk about, you want to come back on and he can defend himself. And I can I can say I can I can speak to him in person rather than through you. Um, but I would encourage you to come on and we'll, we'll talk about a lot of things, because I think race and politics are really the issue that both of you have to face. And I know you face it on your own, but they yeah, for some reason, you just didn't want to face it here. So, uh, well, thank you. I want to encourage everybody to read your book, Lighthouse Faith. It is a superb book. I have read it repeatedly. And uh, sometime I would love to have a conversation about it's brilliant. And I think it's a very original thought. But you talk about music theory as an argument for God's existence. And I want to commend you, Lauren, because uh, I've uh, read my share of theology books that is one of the single most original thoughts I've ever really come across. So I, I commend you for writing an exceptionally insightful book. Well, I want to thank you so much. I, you know, um, well, you now you encouraged me so I can actually start writing again. <laughs> well, um, but, people, people need to read your book. It's great. Oh, thank you so much, Alex. Well, um, and Alex, what, uh, what book do you have out where people can find out more information about um, you and I hear you? Well, oh, thanks. My own website, which is just alexmcfarland.com, and we've got, now as COVID is abating a little bit, um, I'm going to be at the Billy Graham Training Center June 25 through 27 teaching. We've got a major Truth for New Generation conference uh, in October at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, mm -hmm. down on the coast. Ooh. Then I've got a book out called The Assault on America, How to Defend Our Nation Before It's Too Late. And then the I Hear You podcast, people can listen at YA, I Hear Ya, YA, I Hear Ya dot show. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren. And I thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a really blessed day. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear Podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.